Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Welcome to episode 395. Uh, back talking about upholstery with this episode. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of the techniques here, okay? We're going to start with a stuff pad with a finger roll edge. Let's talk about that. So that the simple stuff pad used typically for slip seats is of the basic construction. We just one stuffing into the bridle ties, which is held in place by muslin, resulting in a rounded profile. The finger, roll, <clears throat> the finger roll or thumb roll edge gives a slightly squared, deeper, and firmer edge to the stuffed pads up to about one inch in depth, say. It is constructed by stitching a border of scrim to the base burlap, stuffing, and then tacking to the front edge of the rail or to the chamfered edge. Finger roll edges are frequently used for wings of armchairs and for the edges of slim inside backs and arms of chairs and sofas. The edge roll can be worked higher and wider to form a really deep and firm edge for much deeper central stuffing, which incidentally reflects the change in upholstery techniques in the 17th century that evolved through the development of this role. However, a thick upholstery pad constructed with a deep roll edge will not withstand such heavy wear as a double stuffed pad with a stitched edge and should be used only for the inside backs and arms and other areas that receive less wear so a quicker method of achieving a similar effect can be obtained through a tack roll. If the frame is wide enough, the strip of scrim can be tacked off through the base burlap into the frame instead of being stitched. However, although it takes longer, I prefer stitching because it creates a smoother roll and simply produces better work. And that's kind of what we're here to do, isn't it? Producing better and more quality work work reminiscent of the, the early upholstery of the 17th and 18th century. It's hard to believe they came up with such high quality techniques back then. So let's move on to the double stitched pad and specifically the double stuffed stitched pad. The durable pad with its firm edge forms the basis of all substantial upholstery and be created to almost any depth from almost one inch on. The pad is stuffed twice. The first stuffing is covered with scrim and pulled flat with stuffing ties. Then a second or, or top stuffing of hair or fiber into bridal ties or a filling of felted cotton and polyester batting without bridal ties is then added to soften the shape, which may be almost flat or roundly domed. So just give a slight dome to it. The walls of the pad are built up with neatly spaced rows of stitches that pack the stuffing tightly against the scrim cover to create a flat, firm, broader. So regulating the stuffing in the position of the stitches determines the shape of the wall. Edges may be sharply square, even definite right angles, 
if defined by close blanket stitches along the extreme edge, or softly rolled at that. The pad can be sculpted to overhang the frame, or to set, or set well back from the edge of the frame for a crisp, square edge. In, the inside back of the late Victorian armchairs are very reminiscent of this. The double-stuffed stitched pad is used for dining chairs, heavy-duty seats, inside backs, arms, and some wings of chairs and sofas. So, let's move on to... Springing. So let's talk about springs. So springs are really the filling sandwich between the webbing and the base burlap, or even the spring canvas, which add resilience, depth, comfort, and durability to seats and inside backs, as well as to the tops of arm pads and inside arms of large chairs and sofas. So springs may also be used to create shape, say for example, by using higher springs in the center of a seat to dome it. The springs are fastened in place by being stitched to the webbing below, lashed together and to the frame, and then stitched to the burlap above it. They are thus totally secured to both the frame and the upholstery pad. There are two cardinal rules. First, Springs of the correct size and gauge must be used. Second, they should be lashed so that they compress vertically when in use. So that means all your, all your string must be extremely taut. If they list to one side, they will distort in use and will be very uncomfortable and very unsightly, eventually destroying the above top coat upholstery. The frame and the shape of the pad determine the pattern of the springs. Lashing ties are generally secured in straight lines from one side of the rail to the other. A typical plan for a substantial seat would be three rows of three springs or one row of three or two rows of four. The stuffed pad is worked over the spring canvas. So this may be a simple stuffed pad or say more commonly a double stuffed stitch pad as we just spoke about as in the seats again as we said are very reminiscent of late Victorian armchairs so let's talk about pleated tufting next the secret of pleated tufting given that your technique is sound and, and it takes a lot of practice is your creative input and this is what makes it so quite so satisfying there is no need to be apprehensive about tufting make sure that all of your materials are set square and take accurate measurements double triple times play careful attention to fixing the muslin as preparation for giving a really good attention to fixing the muslin for preparation to finish the top cover properly if you work each stage calmly and thoroughly, you'll enjoy the visual and sensuous drama created by the smooth swells and deep valleys, defined by precise folds and accentuated by tiny buttons at the final stage when you fit the top cover. 
The pleated tufting method I use is created on a double stuffed stitched pad. Work to the stitched scrim stage. The depth of the first stuffing and the subsequent top filling is felted cotton and polyester batting and should be adjusted to a depth to suit the frame and the arrangement of the tufting. So if I wish a smoother and to smother down a small area with a tiny tufting pattern of a relatively shallow depth, I create a base pad of about one inch deep. Whereas for deeper and more widely spaced tufting, I use a base pad of about two to three inches deep. I always do the tufting by eye, which allows me the freedom to explore circular and unusually arranged patterns. But you should first master the conventional pattern based on measuring, which I, uh, you know, which I just previously talked about. So pleating tufting can be used for inside backs, seats, arms, padded borders, rails, and for a really extravagant effect. On outside arms and backs, in fact, it can be used on all types of furniture whose frames allow for the pad deep enough to accommodate the tufting and which will be aesthetically enhanced by this type of treatment. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about cushions and pillows. Many upholstered chairs and sofas incorporate box pillows, which are constructed with a kind of gusset called boxing in order to fit snugly into the seat and back. Properly made, these cushions add sumptuous KEs, but if they are overstuffed or, or simply skimpy, ill-fitting, or made to the wrong depth, they will spoil both appearance and comfort. Bolsters add style to many sofas, notably Chesterfields, and these are frequently an integral part of the design of the frame. Traditionally made of horsehair and linen, they are today more commonly stuffed with feathers. Small, flat, scattered pillows can be placed under the neck or in the small of the back, or used purely as decorative features. They come in many different shapes and sizes. But unless you're willing and, and will be using fabric scraps and leftover feathers from upholstery cushions, it really is not worth the cost and time and money to make them for yourself. Instead, a department store will provide most shapes and sizes at a reasonable cost. So whatever its precise function, the primary purpose of a cushion should be to provide comfort. Feathers are the best filling unless a very firm pad is required, in which case a high-density flame-retardant foam works quite well. If you're using feathers, choose from the following, all of which are sold by weight. Chop feathers, short and sharp, cheap and unpleasant, curled feathers, satisfying and comfortable. Feathers and down, producing a light, soft cushion, more expensive than curled feathers, cheaper than down, a good compromise indeed. And down, very light, very soft, and very expensive. If you are deterred by allergies, choose a synthetic alternative to feathers. Used waxed cambric for the inner cushion or pillow with the shiny surface on the inside to prevent the feathers from escaping. The amount of filling used is, is an important consideration here.
So consider it and take it very seriously. Most faulty cushions suffer from overstuffing. The feathers are so solidly packed that they are unable to expand, resulting in a heavy, stodgy effect. Understuffing is equally unsatisfactory. However, so be prepared to experiment before machine stitching to the final seam. So a very, very important factor here. Um, so let's finish up with uh, top cover and finishing. The top cover and trimming is, of course, the final touch that makes all the hard work worthwhile. But whereas icing can artfully conceal a lopsided cake, a top cover reveals, rather than disguises, lumpy lines and lean or distended shapes. So do take a critical look at the outline of your muslin work and proceed to the top cover only when you're happily, happy and totally satisfied with it at that point in time. So measuring for the top cover. It is best to measure for the top cover muslin stage when the pad is complete. If for the practical reasons you have to measure up when the old upholstery is still fixed to the frame, you should make an allowance for greater fullness in the finished pad. It is better not to measure up when the frame is stripped bare because it's very difficult to estimate the finished measurement. Always re-measure at the muslin stage, particularly if the pad is buttoned down. Measure for all the panels of the chair cover at their deepest and widest points. And let's say, at a general rule, add two inches in allowance on all sides and three-quarter inch seam allowance for any panels that will be joined. The size of the pattern of the fabric will also affect the final measurement. Make a cutting list of all the pieces to be cut, allowing nothing first the depth and then the width to prevent mistakes when planning and cutting occur. Using a flexible tape measure, start with the inside back, tucking the tape right down behind the back of the seat pad to wrap around the rail and to the tack-off point. Run it up to the top of the tack rail. Add the two inches allowance to both ends and make a note of the depth. Measure the width between the tack-off points on both sides and also add allowances. Measure the seat and inside arms in the same way. The outside arms, outside back, arm scrolls, wings, and front border are mentioned from rail to rail or from seam to rail. Always, don't forget, at the widest point. Be generous when allowing for pieces that will fit around curves. If you're measuring up for a button or tufted pad, push the tape down into each button tied dip. Make the standard two inch allowance on all sides and allow adequate fabric for overlapping panels when joining. Now you still need a cutting plan, very important. So use your cutting list to make a cutting plan. Draw a rectangle to represent the width of the fabric you will be using and mark it on the pieces. Writing down the measurements as you work. So work to scale on grid or graph paper. If this helps, arrange all the pieces in the most economical way, placing the largest pieces first. All the pieces should be represented by rectangles. Panels should be shaped when they are fitted. 
If you're using piping, remember to make allowance for strips cut on the bias only. Plain fabrics are the easiest to plan, but remember that even a visual directional weave creates a pattern that must be followed through from piece to piece to piece on the sofa chair. The directional piled fabric, such as velvets, must run from top to bottom, on backs, arms, and wings, on seats from back to front. If the pattern repeat is obvious, it needs to be matched, and you'll have to make allowance for this. Make sure the dominant motifs are centered and the inside arms match each other. Marking and cutting the fabric. I recommend that you cut all the panels of fabric before you start. This is absolutely essential when working with a large pattern. If the pattern is on a relatively small scale, I sometimes cut out the pieces as I require them for fitting the top cover. You will need a large, flat cutting surface or a clean floor. I prefer a piece of uh, 4x8 foot MDF usually. A straight edge, large sharp scissors, or shears, tailor's chalk, and pins. First check the fabric for flaws. Then make it out according to the cutting plan using tailor's chalk or pins. On the right side of the fabric, double check that the pile, weave, and our pattern are running consistently and that all motifs are correctly placed. This sounds obvious, but I'll tell you, it's very easy to slip up, wasting time and most importantly, material. Cut the fabric with care, following the weave to ensure that it's always square. As soon as you have cut each piece, pin a label to the center top for identification and store the pieces carefully. Joins and flies. If you require a piece that is larger than the full width of the bolt of fabric, for say a seat or back of a sofa, for instance, you will have to join pieces with the sewing machine. Before they are fitted, you must start. Fabrics that are woven in unusually narrow widths, such as hair cloth and some hand lube silks, may need to be joined, even the small for small chairs or sofas. So, and joins may have to be made in order to achieve the correct placement of the motif desired. Disguise the seams as much as possible by matching the pattern carefully and by seaming symmetrically down the sides of a piece with a large panel in the center, rather than joining in the middle. On the other hand, you may choose to make a feature of the joins in order to recreate the appearance of a pre-19th century top covering which may be manufactured 21 inches narrower widths than used today. Joining panels of top cover on pleated tufting must be done when fitting onto the pad. If you're trying to save on material or if the panels are not large enough, you can sew extension pieces or flies around the edges and back of the seat panels or the bottom of the inside backs and arms where they will tuck into the upholstery out of sight. Cut flies from muslin or other suitable material and machine stitch them to the panel. Batting and fitting. Before fitting the top cover on the muslin covered pad, first cover the pad with a layer of batting. This will provide additional softness and will also prevent any hair filling from walking or working through the muslin. I always use polyester batting now 
although cotton batting does the same job. Cut the batting to fit the pad to within about, say, one inch of the tack line. Fit the inside pieces of the cover first, one at a time, in the most convenient order, usually inside, back, arms, wings, and seat. Inside backs and arms can be tacked to their own bottom rails, or they can be pulled down and tacked over the seat top cover to the seat rails. The seat cover must, however, always be tacked to its own rails. Never tack it to the inside back or arm rails, for it will certainly split when sat upon. Place the top cover over the batting, checking that you are using the correct piece, the correct way up, and centering the pattern always, if any, on the frame. The top cover is fitted in the same way as muslin. Generally, you should use gimp pins, number three, tacks, unless you're tacking through several layers of material, when a slightly longer tack should be used. Check at all times for even tension, which should be taut but not strained, and keep the threads square to the frame. It is particularly important to avoid tack ties when fitting the top cover. Temporarily, from the center of the rail to the sides, to within two inches of the corner of the frames on the back. Then the front to the side rails. Tack off and fit the corners. Trim the fabric to the tack line. The outside back and arms should always be fitted last over a layer of batting and aligning a muslin or burlap. The lining is fitted to the frame in the same way as the base burlap is. A back tacking strip can be used to fix outside panels to the frame, giving a neat, finished, and reinforcing the join. When stitching top covers, use a small curved needle and thread to match the fabric. A good supply of upholsters, pins, or skewers is also useful, so try to keep them on hand and use a small and neatly worked slip stitch to secure the fabric. When working around curved shapes, snip the seam allowance to ease the fabric. So fitting a pleated tufted pad. The top cover is fitted to pleated tufting in a way similar to that of muslin, but now the buttons are fixed in place. I suggest that you have your buttons covered in a button covering service it's just it's it's a cleaner look and and it and it pulls the the fabric at the right tension over the buttons but alternatively you could use a button press of your own and follow the instructions so cut a length of about 15 inches of twine for each button tie cut a piece of polyester or cotton batting and place it on the pad cut holes into it at the button points place the top cover on the pad Thread a straight needle with twine, and starting at the bottom of the row, at a central button point, push the fabric into the dip, and then take the thread through the pad from the front. On the fabric side of the pad, thread a button onto the twine, and then re-thread the needle on the side. Insert the needle into the pad again. At the back of the pad, make a slip knot and pull it tightly around the rolls of muslin, already tied to the previous button ties. Check that the button is nestled flat in the dip. Work all the buttons and then tighten the slip knots throughout the, and tie them off with a double knot. 
regulate the folds, folds as needed. Tack off all the nail, the, the trim to the rails and trim the fabric off. Panels cannot be joined to pleat, pleated tufts, tufted pads with straight seams, as this would show and the lines would interfere with the diagonal folds. Instead, the joining piece should be cut and folded to fit into the folds formed by the adjacent buttons of the neighboring panel. So, it is secured only at the button points. The join is not sewn at all. So we're going to finish up by just talking a little bit about simple tufting. This method of finishing is a variant of the buttoning technique, but unlike pleated tufting, it is done on the surface of the pad rather than cut into it. Traditional tufts were made from strands of silk, linen, or wool, but for general use today, cotton embroidery thread is also used. They are tied to little bundles like brush heads and then fixed to the pad with twines. Tufts can also be used in the place of buttons on pleated tufted pads. The tufting technique can also be carried out with other materials. Tiny ribbons, leather washers, such as those found on mattresses and other decorative buttons, and upholstery domes. When domes are used in this way, the technique is used is known as flat or float buttoning. The, so that finishes up with the basic internals of, uh, of upholstering. And I know it's a lot, it, it's, it's, it's speaking an entire different language, but uh, I think it's, it's good to be subjected to this if anyone out there has interest in uh, just getting started. So I think you need to find a good book on upholstery or, or stick around your local upholstery shop and start thinking about these words and, and all the nooks and crannies and, and techniques that are needed. And this will get you on your way to uh, uh, doing some of your own upholstery or preparing yourself to work for somebody else. So Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist, signing out. Thanks everyone for listening. And pre please to pass this along and tell anybody, any friends you know, that uh, have an interest in upholstering to take a listen to our podcast here. Thanks so much.